All right, welcome everybody to the show HR Unfiltered, where we interview the leaders of HR, movers and shakers in the industry. We have Eileen today. Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Awesome, awesome. Eileen, maybe you share a little bit about what you do and who are you? Um, first and foremost, I'm a mom of two young kids. Uh, <laughs> have a, I have a four years old and a nine year old. Okay, oh gosh, I cannot remember his uh, age. Um, so I'm also a working um, mother. I yep. am HR director and today I serve in a public sector. Um, awesome. Prior to this, I also had um, many years of experience working in the tech consulting um, industry as well as at e-com. So, um, rotated across different HR function. Uh, HR is what I used to earn for a living. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, awesome. I, mm. I, I personally have five kids myself. I know. <laughs> yeah, all the way from 12 to 2 years old. One more coming in mm. July. So, mm. I'm going to have oh, six. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. So public service, uh, better give me a medal. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, thank you. Yeah. Replacement rate. Yeah, I think it's about uh, 1.8 or 1. Point, I don't know what is it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's not enough. All right, great. Um, the reason why I invited you is really to hear um, from you, uh, being a voice of HR and being in the industry for so long. I always have this question when it comes to this idea of HR. Nobody really wakes up and says that I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, I want to be in HR. Right, I want to be in HR because it's all about human capital and all that. Not many people think about that, right? And I have so many different friends who are HR directors. They kind of like almost like stumbled towards it, and they kind of like, hey. um, they they grew to learn about hey, that curiosity of people drove them to really want to be in that. So for yourself, where mm. where did this journey begin for you? Did you start off like wanting HR, or what happened? I belong to the second group that you mentioned, the group that tumbled into HR. <laughs> um, but on hindsight, uh, there's no regret. That's why yeah. I'm still doing what I'm doing, you know, um, many, many years from now. Um, I think the reason why many people tumbled into it is because I think HR has never been quite considered as a, a very technical, a very professional uh, kind yeah. of... Um, uh, capability. But that is the old, right? That's yep. the old. So I didn't graduate with a HR degree, right? Um, in fact, I graduated in arts and social science. I am, uh, um, I took my history, uh, I took my honours in history. Wow. I really love, I really, really love the subject, right? Mm. Um, I have many great teachers to thank for. Right. I really love the subject, but I, I, I didn't go into the course wanting uh, to teach <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know to 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 work in a more related field like perhaps in the in the museum or in in, in even in um, defense for example or, yeah. or foreign affairs so it it wasn't something that um, strikes me but I I took up the the course because I was really interested and I think many years from now I still think that you know passion and interest is something that's so important to drive you. Um, yes. Without which, you know, um, it's gonna be a chore, like, waking up every day and even, you know, um, trying to pass your exams. So, um, um, my first job out of school is completely nothing to do with history, being <laughs> nothing to do with HR either. So um, those who are interested can go find my CV, but. <laughs> Nothing related. Okay. Um, 
but um, but later on, I had this opportunity to um, handle recruitment for a very mm-hmm. interesting um, uh, group of people, right? So I had to uh, recruit uh, for cabin crews, right? So that um, was... Uh, that was my first array into HR, I would say, recruitment. So cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and as a 24 years, 25 years old, it was absolutely the coolest thing on earth. So I had a very cool job there. Um, so one thing led to another. Um, I joined a headhunting firm mm-hmm. for that because I thought that, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at doing hiring. You know, I'm pretty good at advising people what their career uh, would look like if they join our mm-hmm. organization. I'm pretty good at dissecting their interests, their passion, their strengths, you know, um, their, their keenness to do certain things. So recruiting was my first foray to HR. And I still believe that I have that recruiter in my heart. <laughs> so I'm very, very open to talking to people. You know, I'm the kind mm. who when you grab, I will always talk to the driver um, mm. and uh, make a lot of friends, you know, um, okay. help to pull a lot of um, dots along the way. Right. So, um, yeah, that, that was how I got into HR. That was how I got into um, human capital. Um, subsequently, I got into uh, 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 MNC and um, rotated across, had a great opportunity to rotate across different HR functions. And um, yeah, that, that, that pretty much leads me to where I am today. Awesome. Wow. Very colorful story. <laughs> Extremely colorful story. So, so, I, think yeah, young... so I think a lot of people, um, even if I look at my team today, um, not yeah. many of them actually has a sort of like a HR uh, degree, you know. They didn't, yeah. they didn't at 17, 18 year old decided they don't want to be a HR professional. <laughs> um, but I think the profession really grows in you, right? Yes. And um, yeah. it grows in me uh, because when I see the impact that I have done uh, yeah. to the career of one individual, you know, mm. And uh, the type of uh, changes that the person has made to accelerate his, um, his career within the organization, the, the, the kind of coaching, you know, just that um, the interaction really drives us. Yes, I think that that's what makes us feel excited about coming to work, um, creating that human capital impact in the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for me, when it comes to this idea of um, what you just shared, it's really that the... the the affinity towards that curiosity of human beings, why they take what, where can I place them, uh, that yes. they are going to be at their best. I mean, I always give this analogy when I'm coaching leaders. Uh, for your team, there are eagles and ostriches, right? So if an eagle, you ask an eagle to run, something is wrong. He can yeah. do it. He takes five hours and ostrich takes one minute, for example. Yeah. But there's something wrong there. And um, sometimes it's the idea of HR that we can shed light to them and says, hey, maybe this role, uh, you can explore this other role and helping them to discover themselves. And that's the beautiful thing about HR where we're just very curious about people, why people think in a certain way, why people tick in a certain way. And yeah, most of the people just stumble into HR. They don't have a degree in HR. It kind of like grows on them. It grows on them. Of course, you have that functional capability and competency that you need to know, right? Whether it's your laws and regulations, your policies, you know, your disciplinary kind of uh, SOPs, those you need to know, right? And I will say that those are your foundation. 
right? If you don't know, then you know you will be questioned in terms of your uh, your, your your credibility as a HR. But beyond that, is that wanting to like what you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, link all the dots, yes. right? Seeing where people are best placed at yes. and be able to witness their growth. I think that sort of excites me. And when I see that, hey, you know, when I move this person, that's the kind of different behavior that yes. you see. Wow, yes. you know, that's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. So layman terms, we kind of call it like uh, they feel fulfilled at work. Uh, corporate terms, we call it engagement. They're a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, all that thing. So, but this idea of um, putting people where they shine the brightest naturally, yes. and um, but it's tough. It's really tough, and um, mm -hmm. I do feel that this idea that um, it's it's a challenge because a lot of times when we we hire based on competency, sometimes when people come into the door, it's like they say that they're competent in this, but actually there's something else. And even the idea of some companies are not willing, even though they say they're willing, to move people around. Yes. Right. Yes. I have cases where, yeah, open book, yeah, you can move. But then when you talk to the actual leaders, it's like, nope, you're not mm -hmm. taking my guy. So it's it's mm -hmm. almost that, that we are, yeah, we're pushing for something, but yet the leaders themselves, upper management and all that, they are they kind of like um they have a certain way of looking at things that's different. I think um I think it depends on the industry. Yeah. Right? Because in certain industry like tech and consulting is the way of life. Yeah. Right, because the teams are not structured in a very, um, I mean, they are not structured in the first place, right? Yeah, they are always in squads, they are in kind mm. of um, agile setup. In, in so, every time there's a requirement, that every time there's a project, you get pulled in, yeah. right? So, it's very interesting for us to do resource management in those areas. It's interesting, but it's also very challenging, very challenging, right? very challenging to do resource management in those um, industry. Um, but and of course, but you have the more traditional setup whereby yeah. you know you report to somebody, somebody report da 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 da, yeah. and you tend to be very defined in your yes. job scope, right? So those are the more traditional setup whereby yeah. your that kind of situation yeah. may happen, you know, don't kind of touch my guy, you know, yeah. not ready, you know, just moved two months, uh, two years ago, <laughs> not ready. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it depends. It's sad, right? Because the idea is that um, if they don't find that fulfillment there, they will find fulfillment oh. somewhere else. Your notice period is just two months yeah. or one month. Exactly. So yeah. that's why this whole area of retention is so important. And sometimes it falls into HR side and where leaders actually need to take that, that role and take that leadership for retention is not just about, oh, just talk to HR about anything. So I just want to find out from you, like when it comes to this, there's so many learning lessons for you when it comes to being a leader in HR, right? What are some, some that you've gone through that made you that leader that you are right now? I remember one of my mentors, um, on the first day that I joined the organization, I actually okay. observed her running a workshop and she said this, let me, let me rethink because <laughs> do the right thing versus doing things right. Yeah. I don't know whether you've heard that before. Do the right thing versus doing things right. Yes. Yes, because as a, I mean, in HR, quite a number of things are governance-based, right? You need yep. to create a structure, you need to have policies, and you need to make sure that there's equity and transparency. So you always want to make sure, you always need to make sure that um, you 
do things right. Yeah. But because HR is about people, right? Yes. So there are unique circumstances, there are differences in context, you know. Yeah. So sometimes you are you, you have to make the decision whether you want to follow the policy, which mm. is doing things right, yeah. or you want to do the right thing for that yeah. person mm. at that point in time. So um, I thought that left me with a lot of thinking and every time I meet up with very challenging or um, conflicting situation, I will mm. think about this. Am I trying to do things right yeah. or am I doing the right things for the person and for the organization? Yeah, so that's one of my teachings wow. <laughs> or a teaching that has impacted me a lot. Yeah. I hope my mentor is listening to this. <laughs> Please forward it to your mentor. I will. I think this idea of, um, uh, it's the same when it comes to, I mean, when I hear Singaporeans sometimes complain about government policies. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea that there's always this, there's always this tension between standardization and customization. Mm. Standardization is for the policy, but there's customization, there's unique context where if you do things that is right for that person, you get social equity, you get this mm. whole idea that that person knows that you see them as a person, not just as a number, and that goes a long way, many, many miles more. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. And so sometimes the idea that, yeah, that standardization is something that um, it's there to safeguard most of the things, maybe 80%, 70%, but the 20% and 30% of leeway where we can do really certain no, things that... Yeah, and Jason, you know why? Because empathy goes a long way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It goes so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Thank you. I, I, that, there was another thing that I wanted to share with you and also whoever is listening about mm. is, is, is this topic about vulnerability in leadership. Yes. I'm not sure whether I'm jumping around, but I'm, I'm very sorry if I am. But, no, but it's a big me, thing. It's a very big thing. Great thing. It's a very big thing. And yeah. I'm not saying this because it is a big thing. But I'm saying this because these are the one, two things that have impacted right. my journey. The first one is what I've said just now, you know, yeah. doing things right versus, you know, doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, the second one is really about this whole idea about vulnerability in leadership. Mm. How it's not about right or wrong, it's not about weak or strong, yeah. but it's about having that courage yeah. you know, to show up right? even if you don't know what's the outcome. Yeah. That's extremely important, right? Because I think as leader, we always feel that we need to know everything. Mm. We have this burden to say that you know, we are right at the front, we need to know everything, you know, we need to solve the world's problem, you know. Yeah. But I... It's no, I, I don't think that's the right mentality to yeah. groom our next level of leadership because a lot of them will look at us and say, no, 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 I don't want to be in your position, yeah. you know, because you, I cannot solve the problem, you know, I don't think I can do that. But I feel that sometimes, um, and many times I don't have all the right answers, I don't mm. even have an answer, yeah. but it's the ability to then stand up in front of your stakeholder mm. yeah. With even with your team along to say that, hey, you know, I don't know what's the answer, but can yeah. we do this together? Yes. Right? You yes. tell me what you think, we tell you, and we co-create a solution. Right? So I think that vulnerability, I, I have never seen it as a, a show of weakness, mm. right? but it's 
more of a show of um, courage and it's more of a show of wanting to collaborate. So I, I thought that's something um, that has been quite impactful to me yeah. Um, yeah. when I look at some of the leaders that I've worked with um, and, and, and how that has um, rubbed off with me as well. Yeah, so I just wanted to share that as well. Yeah, big, very big thing. Um, it's it's definitely a buzzword, but it's also the mm. idea that we're going back to being a human being. Mm. Right, the idea mm. that uh, leaders have all the answers now. We don't have all the answers. Actually, we never had all the answers. We just we just appeared uh, of that show of strength. But the idea of vulnerability helps open up that atmosphere in the team. Yes where people start to also be vulnerable. And the beautiful thing oh. about it is that if you're not vulnerable as a leader, then most of the people around you will start to cover up mm. because they think that that's a show of strength. Uh, never say something that you don't know. Mm. But if a leader can do that, then actually you are creating that atmosphere of vulnerability, which, which, which feeds into this idea of trust. That means we can open up even trust. more and it's okay that we don't know. Yes, and you build that loyalty too. Exactly, exactly. Because we don't, we, we really don't have all the answers. And because mm. if we're up there, we need the people on the ground to be able to share mm. with us. And their insight sometimes is so much more powerful than what we see up there. Yeah. I remember very clearly um, one of the incidences that, that I think will forever leave a mark on me um, was uh, was when I was partnering a very senior um, business partner. Okay. Um, and um, there was a, a case whereby we need to reprimand um, one of her very, very top um, leader, I would right. say. Okay. And um, I think the whole case was um, very challenging, very, very tricky and very emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. um, we had to do what we had to do. Um, but at a point where we shared the outcome uh, to the individual... Um, the leader that was sitting beside me um, was actually suppressing her tears. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because um, I think it was uh, very, very emotional for her yeah. to see that one of her best people is yeah. being reprimanded this way, yeah. uh, but she understands that it has to be done. Mm. So at that moment, I thought, completely you earn the trust completely yeah. earn the loyalty yeah. yeah so i could yeah. still see that very strong connection between the two of them until now um and i thought it was such a very commendable thing um i, I know it she didn't she definitely didn't engineer thing or they, yeah. you know didn't do this on purpose but it's just such a real outflow of um emotion um, but yet of that um that leadership um you know that that I don't know how to explain it, but she she wanted to do so much for the person, yeah. but she can't. Um, yeah. But she told the person that you know this is what you have to do. I will guide you along. You know, but we need to go through this phase. Yeah. Mm. So it was very memorable. Yeah, sounds super impactful, and I mm. think that yeah, the relationship was strengthened because yeah. of these things. Yeah, I think as human okay. beings, when we when we start to show up and we show up as who we are, and we don't know, mm. there was this whole mm. idea of um, one of the most uh, difficult phrases to say as a leader is "I messed up," mm. right? And just taking it 
and taking the full brunt of all the resources wasted and all that and just saying that I messed up really opens the door to everybody else saying that, yeah, um, let's be a little bit more vulnerable. Let's be a little bit more open. Mm. If my leader can do that, then I can do that as well. And they cascades yeah. down as well. Yeah, correct, correct. It's, I, I think it's that, um, you know, you create that environment where you acknowledge that people do fail because yes. we are humans after all, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that sort of put people at a, a, a secure and safe environment yes. to yeah. make that to yeah. So I think that it's is 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 very rare, but um, more and more I feel that that's what uh, the next generation and you know is looking for. Yeah, this idea that you just mentioned about safety, the psychological safety, another big buzzword mm. when it comes to leadership and HR mm. um, is to create a space where everybody can know that failure equals to learning rather mm. than failure equals to detrimental outcomes. Because if mm. it's the second one, then we will just hide, we will lie mm. and we'll fake. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Which is not what any organization wants. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, Edine, thanks for sharing that. I just want to hear from you also. You've been a practitioner of HR so long, and mm. I'm sure that you see some best practices out there and also some worst practices out there. Just want to hear your thoughts, you know, like, for example, practices could be things like, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, this whole idea of performance review, right, now being, sometimes people are saying that, why are you doing once a year? It should be constant, right? So, sometimes that, that idea of, hey, Maybe we should have changed it to a little bit more regular and all that. I just want to hear from you, like, in your experience when it comes to the idea of best practices that you have when it comes to HR, what would that be? I try to adopt some of those myself. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, having that instantaneous, constant feedback. Yeah. Right? You don't give feedback six months later, right? And then you cow that guy to say, that, hey, oh, six months ago, you didn't do this. That's why you got <laughs> I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But is. I feel that um, it's not some okay. It's very easy for us to say because we are yeah. in HR, right? Yeah. You know, we are practitioner. We, we we do that all the time. We remind our managers to do that all the time. Yeah. But it we must remember that speaking of such um, um, performance, it can be a bit uh, challenging. It can be a bit of a difficult conversation. Very very sensitive. Yeah. Right, and they don't like to go there. Yeah. Right? I've seen this kind of behavior across the most junior to the <laughs> most senior managers. Yes. They still don't like to do that, right? They, don't, yeah. they don't. Right. So that's something which I feel um, um, can HR come in to fill the gap? Well, it's hard. It's very hard because day in and day out, I'm not the one who's You're not there. performance, right? I'm not there to yeah. pull you up, I'm not there to give you a reminder. I'm not exactly. there to correct your course. So while I can come in with a stick or a carrot, uh, as HR, because we have policies yep. and we have, um, you know... Um, all the rewards and... All rewards the, yeah. and, and, and yep. tools, right? Yeah. But I'm not there to to help the guy pick up, right? Yeah. And evaluate access. So it's, it's, it's definitely very important for us to give that kind of um, instant or point in time kind of feedback to pull that guy up to hey you know this email wasn't written in a very you know concise manner can you sharpen this you know that's yeah. where we learned uh, otherwise you know when you just put it down in the books and call him at the end of six months it's yeah it's not um it's, it's not going to help 
him at not all. Not very beneficial, not very efficient as well. It's not efficient for us. It's not good for the fella because he has no chance. He does, yeah. He's not even aware. So okay. I think um, having that feedback loop is it's very, very important. Um, if you ask me um, whether it's important to do, you know, having a bell curve, not bell curve, I, I think that's a very long debate yeah. that we're going to, and I'm not going to go into that. Yeah. You know, yeah. All HR people have different points and yes. you know um, considerations about that, but I think yeah. it depends heavily on the state of your organization and the mm. readiness of your leadership at a point in time. Yeah, mm. whether you want to adopt whatever performance management kind of uh, system. Yeah. yeah, so it's very dependent on that. So I would say that if you ask me for a Actually, it's a best practice and a, and a worst practice. You know, yeah. I'm giving you that same example. <laughs> Don't do this and do this. Right, 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 right. Thank you, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I do. When I coach some regional directors, um, they will say that they will do the performance review. Right, when they do the performance review, like um, I always ask them, so when do you last give feedback? No, don't worry, I'm going to talk to them in two weeks' time or in three months' time. Then when they go to that time, they don't bring it up. Because mm. why? You only have a short window of bringing up everything. And it sounds so weird you bring up things three months ago. And you always say the nice things. Yeah, and you always say the nice things. So that's, that's the scary thing when it comes to this idea of feedback. Uh, there are some companies that I consult for and sometimes they just really like go 90.5 and only hear the good stuff. <laughs> which is really bad. To the mm. point where it's like, then where's that feedback? And yeah, they don't have that. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Anything so, else when it comes to your your experience when it comes to best practices? I don't like like I don't like feedback. I, think, I I mean this might be something which a lot of HR practitioner HR practitioner already know, okay. but I think you cannot um, undermine the whole focus on capability development, mm. right? And I do that a lot for my own team as well, right. because more so because people think that HR is not a professional, you know. Uh, profession, you know, yeah. um, but there are certain competency and uh, hard-nosed knowledge that you need to know, yeah. right? And I think it's extremely important for all of us to be well-versed in the work that we do. Mm. Uh, I remember one of my leaders in the organization before, she always used the word, what are you famous for, Eileen? So what are you famous for? I, like, oh, I don't know what I'm famous for. <laughs> what are you famous for? Why would people yeah. engage you, right? Why would they come yeah. and why would they hire you? What are you famous for? So mm. I think it's the same, right? For HR, regardless of where you work at, right? Whether it's yeah. common man or your TM, talent management, recruitment, be the best person in that function. And yeah. what that means is that you have to always sharpen your saw. Yeah. Right? Iron sharpen iron, right? Yeah. You have to sharpen your saw. Yeah. So mingle with the right people, network, you know, do your own um, uh, learnings and, and listen, you know, read up. So I think that's very important. Otherwise, you'll always be in your own hole and mm. you basically stagnate in your knowledge. So um, I feel that, you know, for HR practitioner, don't be comfortable where you are in your zone. Yeah. There's so much out there. Last yeah. week, we were, some of us were just at the HR Tech Fest. You okay. Know, so... A lot of amazing innovation um, that we've seen. How do we then incorporate it to yeah. fit into the art and science part of yeah. the HR, right? So I think it's about that constant learning. Yeah. Yes. So again, 
I not something that is out of the world, but something that I truly believe in. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's funny that you share that when it comes to capability for HR, mm. because it's also quite new and there's so many things to learn from in different in this, uh, different ways and also even the future, right? I find that when I talk to HR directors, there are a thousand things we can adopt, mm. but we're just not sure what. That's, that's, the, that's the challenge, right? There's, there's a new thing, oh, new framework coming up. Oh, this one, there's this new tech that's coming up. There's mm. so many things and we're just kind of inundated with so many solutions. And when I talk mm -hmm. to HR, it's like really, the, um, I see them very much trying out certain things. And sometimes they will try out for one, two years and be like, um, okay, that was not bad. Then after that, they will try another thing. Oh, not too bad. And this can happen for five, 10 years. Mm. And it's just about just trying out because they are... You don't much, know. Yeah. yeah, there's no perfect thing and different organizations that will work for you, but the other organization doesn't You know work. what I think, um, Jason? I think back again to the state of your organization. Yeah. The state of your human capital. Yeah. yeah. So you have to mirror that organization that you are supporting, right? Yeah. So for example, uh, a startup, right? Yeah. A startup. What is the human capital um, requirements or priority at that point in time? Is it to scale, right? Uh, is it to you know uh, hire quickly, right? So so those so your priority, your HR projects, your should be digitalization would be targeted to solve yeah. this problem, right? Yeah. But if you look at some of the others, like a more established MNCs, right? Yeah. So what are their problems, right? Is it about renewal? Is it about succession? Ha! Huh. Then maybe your solution will be tackle. It will, will will be able will allow you to tackle more of those. Yeah. So it depends on the first of all, of course, your state of your organization and what are your organization priorities relating to people, uh, human capital at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that should always be your north star. Yeah. yeah. I I have a I have a question. Very interesting question, mm. because. As HR, we want to be able to implement certain things. So we come up, we, we, we go and we see so many different solution providers out there. And then we say that, okay, I think this is good for our organization. And upper management gives green light, right? Mm -hmm. However, upper management doesn't, sometimes doesn't align to it and sees it as HR, you drive it yourself. And that's where the big disconnect comes, where it's like, okay, HR is pushing it, but if my leaders don't even care about it, then how? There's a book that I was reading. I'm looking out at my book here <laughs> now. It's called the, the uh, it's the power of moment. The power of moments. You know that book. No. In no, it, there sure. was this line that says, um, "If they don't, uh, what is it? Uh, if they, if they don't believe it's their problem, yeah. they will not buy your solution. Something like that. Something along the right. line." If they don't believe that it is your pro their problem, their they problem. would buy the solution. I'll give you the line later, the correct sure. line. Sure. It's a lot more impactful. Um, mm. But basically, it means that if your leaders doesn't see this as their problem, if they feel that it is not in their, you know, in their horizon, their yeah. bigger fish to fry, yeah. no matter what solutions you present to exactly. them, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. So, which is why I think we always, as a HR leader, you need to align that priorities. If you truly believe that it's going that problem that you see today is going to impact the bottom line of the organization, then you jolly well go and make your case. Yeah. Right? Fight for it. Otherwise, yeah. then you know, align. Yeah. 
Otherwise, no matter what fancy products or, you know, yeah. it's, it's it just not flat. right. Yeah, because you do some, a lot of our HR, um, I feel that a lot of our HR projects, mandate, campaigns, yeah. whatsoever, it needs to be top-down led. Yeah. Because people need to see that buy-in. Exactly. However, that's the, that's the issue. I see a lot of HR initiatives where the leader has shared that they, that they are aligned to it, but when it comes down to the trickling of the actual things, it might not be so forthcoming. And that's mm -hmm. the challenge. Then HR needs to kind of think about something else and something else and all that. Are you saying because of the communication breakdown or the operationalization of it? I think they need to see, uh, as upper management, they need to see that whatever HR is coming up with, right? there is going to be a sacrifice in time and effort. Mm -hmm. Quite a lot of it. Not just about, oh, okay, HR, you just run your own show and then mm -hmm. we just support you with finances and resources. And all. But they kind of like need to, so they need to, they need to walk the talk. And mm -hmm. HR can't just push it and say, hey guys, we're doing this, we're doing this. And everybody in the upper management doesn't do anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it will fall flat. Yes. Very and often. Yes. Very often. So I see that in two, three year cycles all the time in different organizations. We do this, we stop that. Then now we have something else. Hey, this is going to be the new silver thing. And we do that and then it stops again. No, it's just that, I don't know, is it the bandwidth that they have or is it priorities? But I see this disconnect and this will just keep happening. We can buy the, the best software. Mm. Last week, if you went there, you can buy the best software and then say, okay, we'll do this. But then upper management doesn't do it to senior yeah. management. Senior management won't do it to middle management. HR will be like, hey, have you done it? No, I haven't. Mm. Does your boss do it? No, he doesn't. Mm. Then it'll just be, okay, three years yeah. time, we'll do something else. And yeah. that's the challenge. Yeah, that, that, that investment needs to be there and that um, cascade needs to be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, correct. It's correct. painful, it's very painful. <laughs> It's very painful because um, like what we have earlier shared also, right? That a lot of people feel that HR is just for HR, right? Yeah. Otherwise, what do you do, right? That's a good <laughs> job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the thing is that people, right? People, people leave their bosses. Yeah, not, <laughs> not organizations. organizations. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a perennial truth, right? Big so, time. A big time, yeah. So again, if you feel that you can outsource everything to HR, then you are yeah. very, very wrong. Yeah. yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, we we are here as you know, as your business partners. We are here yeah. as your recruiting partners. You know, we help you find the right talent and uh, yeah. fit them to the organization. But day to day, you do need to pay attention. Um, uh, pay attention to their growth and development. They are they are humans, yeah. They're not machine that you just bought. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I always, um, in my mind, I always think about HR. Uh, sometimes the organizations see them as nannies, right? Mm -hmm. If you do the work, it's okay, everything is fine. If you once have some issues, then okay, you go to your nanny, and then let mm -hmm. nanny talk to you, then come back again. When actually, you're relinquishing that responsibility, which should be you. Mm, yeah. yeah. So we play a nanny role, unfortunately. Oh, Until that yeah. changes. But I always tell tell whoever is listening to me, I only have two kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So, Eileen, one more, one more last question. I'm always very curious about the future, the future of HR, the future landscape, what's going to happen. And there's this shift about, you know, this great resignation, uh, this whole idea of people now, a uh, long time ago, people are it's about loyalty, it's about you know, security, it's about paycheck. Now it's about purpose, it's about job hopping and all that and um, 
it's going to be very different. Even now, the university degrees, when I think about it, it's like, hey, in five years, you don't even need that degree. You just give a good portfolio of what you've been doing and you go there, maybe you're hired. And that could be even better to a hiring manager than you having a, that degree because you have, yeah. rubber didn't meet the road yet. Mm. So I just want to hear from you, like, if there's one take in terms of the future of HR, I what, think... what should we look out for? Mm. Mm. Actually, I have two two thoughts about this. The okay, first one is what you mentioned about um, the great resonation, and I think yeah. lots have been talk- spoken about it, and yeah. I, I'm not going to turn to it, but I think what is required of us in HR is a lot of change management. Yeah. Right? Um, because of the way that things are uh, running, um, people come and go, you know, yeah. um, leaders come and go, uh, you have a lot of people, there's a lot of churn, and there's a lot of a lot. people movement. How yeah. then do you make sure that there is continuity in the work that you do and that at any point in time, your onboarding is swift, it's very efficient, you know, yeah. gives you exactly what you need at that point in time yeah. and then just move on, right? So that revolving door culture, yeah. um, we used to call it revolving door culture in my generation, like oh. it's a negative thing, right? But now uh, it, it's, it's called big. You know, it's called sprint, it's called, you know, agile. So yeah. I think it's all about your lens at which you look at things, right? Yeah. Um, when people move around, I think they get ideas quickly. Yeah. Um, they get exposure faster and, mm. you know, they are sort of forced to um, maybe exercise a different muscle, right? Yes. So I, I thought that's not necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. It's not. But it's not, right? But I, we are not talking about cradle to grave, you know? Yep. But really, what then is the responsibility of HR? I think it's then to make sure that when a person comes to your door, whether yep. it's uh, one year or one month, you make the best out of that person. Yeah. Right? So that is what I thought will be the additional um, mm. expectation for us as HR to be very nimble. Right, whether it's to find person quickly or to train the person quickly or to engage the person quickly, everything yeah. has to done to be done uh, at a you know at a very nimble speed. Yeah, so that that's the expectation that we have. The second point that I wanted to make and on reflection is also that mm. we often talk about HR as the intersection of art and science. Mm. Right. Um, I like that. Yeah, you can't do HR purely as art. Then you are yeah. just too. You know, emotional and too feeling, yeah. yeah, too feeling, feeling, right? But at the same time, if you look at just data, 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 data all the yeah. time, right? You know, be it people analytics or you know, just human human analytics. That is not. That will probably means that your work can be replaced by a robot, mm. right? Um, but the core of HR is really how you use some of this data to make people-centric decisions, programs, policies Mm. to improve the way that we work. Mm. So I I thought that the intersection of people and uh, data, the art and science of HR, is going to be even more um, uh, urgent, even more um, critical in the days to come. I think COVID pushed us a lot to the right side where we mm. talk about analytics, data, because talk about uh, hybrid work, right? So yeah. all this technology, HR technology that, I, that that helps us to work more efficiently and effectively. Mm. I think the last two years we have seen a boom, 
that yes. and whether or we like it or not we're yeah. just being pushed there yeah. but I think um, let's not forget the art part of it which is the yeah. human factor right so I think all HR will need to find a good equilibrium um, when you look at these two components because that is the essence of HR it's the essence of human beings as well yeah we are fully made out of both sides, the emotional yeah. and logical part. Mm, exactly. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All You're right, Eileen. Thank you so much for your time, Eileen, sharing all these things. I do, I mean, um, this whole idea of uh, being a voice and really sharing certain things about HR that is just, um, some of the things just emphasizing, which is really important. And But the other thing is the idea that um, we are in a landscape that's going to be very 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 dynamic i mean this whole idea of human capital moving around so much right mm. how do we be nimble so quickly mm. while there's so many solutions out there which solution is the best thing and i, I think it's like a, if i'm in hr position i'll be like wow just inundated with solutions whether or not my upper management has that buy-in because they still focus on that strategy and business and all that and um my hope is that hr just really really comes into the foreground where we make this decision based on the human capital we have as well, and it runs together. Mm, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Eileen, for your time. Really appreciate this chat. And uh, for those of us here who are listening in, uh, do stay tuned for more HR Unfiltered, where we talk to leaders, movers and shakers of the HR landscape. Thank you so much, Eileen. Thank you. Thanks, Jason.